Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and lived the lives they deserve. Because of that, founders live lives of abundance, freedom, and creativity. That's what I'm really all about. Hello, my name is Aziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa with no opportunities, just sheer hard work, to failing multiple startups yet learning a whole lot to barely escaping alive the war in Ukraine, even living as an illegal immigrant, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day sharing the wisdom of luminaries I've interviewed on this podcast from Google executives to Amazon, Microsoft, Forbes Technology Council, Harvard, Goldman Sachs, Financial Times, and even a priest from the Vatican Church. Everyone is welcome here. So let's begin. My guest today is Gaspar Nagy. Gaspar is the creator and main contributor of SpecFlow, a regular conference speaker, a blogger at gasparnagi.com, editor of the BDD Addict monthly newsletter at bddaddict.com, and co-author of the BDD book series, Discovery, Explore Behavior Using Examples, Formulation, Express Examples Using Given, When, Then. In software engineering, behavior-driven development, BDD, is an agile software development process that encourages collaboration among developers, quality assurance testers, and customer representatives in a software project. It encourages teams to use conversations and create examples to formalize a shared understanding of how the application should behave. Gashpar works as an independent coach, trainer, and test automation expert Focusing on helping teams implementing BDD and SpecFlow, Gaspar has more than 20 years of experience in enterprise software development as he worked as an architect and agile developer coach. He is an approved trainer, training provider of the Agile Testing Fellowship as a trainer of the Agile Testing course developed by Janet Gregory and Lisa Crispin. Gaspar has been developing a synchronization tool called SpecSync that integrates Gherkin-based, is that correct? Because, okay, Gherkin-based scenarios to Azure DevOps, TFS. Another tool he has been working on is a feature file editor called Deverum, a new Visual Studio extension for SpecFlow. Gaspar, how are you today? Uh, thank you very much. I'm, I'm fine. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to have you here and to ask you as a more general thing, what about BDD and SpecFlow that is transformative to the agile development process? What was bad or wrong or inefficient about it before? And what is it trying to solve? Um, yeah, that's a very good question because uh, I I always see BDD as not... Uh, not something that is uh, that you believe in BDD and then it will be fine for you, but uh, but there's a tool that helps you to change something differently or change something better uh, in this case. Uh, so I can I can tell you what what uh, what what I have experienced and probably that will be also useful for the for the listeners as well. So 
Uh, I worked as a in the software development, and I was worked uh, working as software developer or lead software developer, as you have heard. And uh, and basically, we were trying to do automated tests. And uh, whenever we try to do automated tests uh, in an in an agile setup, we realized that in the the classic way how you normally would uh, do an automated test, like just uh, uh, making some test methods and uh, and uh, collecting a bunch of code to be able to satisfy that. That's not really fitting into this new agile landscape because uh, because as you are writing this bigger amount of code, they are they are losing the traceability back to the requirements. So basically, they they will become a bunch of code, but you will never know. Or it will be very hard to diagnose or or reverse engineer what we really wanted to test with those. And uh, and for us, this was really a, a problem because uh, we had several complex tests uh, that started to fail maybe after a year. And then we, when we when we looked into them, uh, we couldn't really remember what we really wanted to do with those tests, and uh, we had to spend a lot of time on 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 the maintenance of these tests. And this was really frustrating. So uh, basically, we, we were trying to find some way how we can better document. Uh, what we would like to test, and this is how we found PDD. So definitely, that that is one aspect uh, which is uh, which is changing the way how you normally operate in an agile setup. That uh, that your tests, or at least those tests that are written in a PDD style, will much better connect it to the requirements. So first of all, you can also get some requirement coverage with them. So we'll, you will be able to see how much of the requirements you have automated tests for. And if you need to keep uh, maintaining those automated tests, then it will be much easier to uh, to understand them and to decide whether the test itself makes sense or if, if there is any problem with them. Thank you. This makes me think, I think in psychology, about the present self and the future self, that often human beings will behave now in an emotional state in a way, and then they will be lazy and... Uh, like throw too much work on their future self in a way that even like a slave owner or an enemy wouldn't do. And therefore, as you mentioned, as things evolve, as people learn and change over time, they might not remember why they're creating the test for the software. And therefore, it's about both having the intentions clear so that you remember why, as well as making sure that you understand why um, it's useful and whether it's still useful after time. Is this correct? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So any testing effort is an investment for the future and uh, and you would like to preserve that value. So if you have invested that amount of time, it makes sense to, to produce something which is valuable and not something which is just uh, there, but not really helping you. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. And I will change a little bit to go to the agile methodology just to understand more since you have a lot of expertise in this i spoke one time to a ukrainian expert in like teams management and he said we don't use agile in the way that it is because it's too expensive there will be too many resources that are sitting idle and waiting his approach to team management is like a factory where the focus is resource utilization in order to maximize use of every resource. What's your perspective on this? Do you feel that a pure agile way is actually feasible? What's his perspective? And do you agree with that resource 
utilization is a much better approach unless you're a Fortune 500 than pure agile? Uh, that's a very tough question, but uh, I think there is no no such thing like agile way. I mean, the agile is a set of principles uh, that that is basically encouraging you to better focus on 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 doing the right thing and uh, and producing something which is meaningful in some way. And of course, meaningfulness might also be able to mean that uh, that it makes more profit. But of course, it also also can mean that it's better for the users or users simply like it. So so that's that's the thing, and that's 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 the core principle of agile. Uh, how you can uh, how you can basically ensure that you are doing the right thing, and to be able to ensure that you are you are doing the right thing. At least I haven't found anyone who would be able to do this this alone. So that you imagine what to do, you do it, and it will be right like that. But uh, you need feedback, and I think uh, many of the agile methodologies and frameworks that are that are built upon this this core principle are basically working in a way that they are providing you continuous feedback to tell you whether you are you are the right track or you are you are going into the right direction, and um, and. And of course, BDD is also fitting to that because obviously, with this uh, with these understandable tests uh, that are telling you whether your support your your software is actually doing this thing or not, uh, with that you are, they are providing you uh, feedback with, and uh, and probably there are many ways how this can be implemented, and I'm uh, not that experienced with uh, how this can be done in a in this factory style that you mentioned. But definitely what I have seen that uh, really good results. So really trying to, to get the thing that, that you that we really wanted can only be done if if the people are working together, they are collaborating together and they are forming a team. And of course, if you are forming a team, if you are build, building up any kind of collaboration, that needs slack time. So it, it will not work in a way that if you are 100% utilizing this or that project, then it, then you will never be able to form a team, and uh, and you will never be able to really efficiently uh, contribute. At least that's how I have seen it. So uh, probably this is not a black and white thing, but uh, but thinking in people, thinking in humans, and thinking in teams, I think these are very important things uh, to be able to uh, match the good result. Thank you. And trying to think about this as a mental model and to ask you how did the appro- this approach change the way you approach goal setting and the way you approach your life, I'm thinking that probably it means when you have a team and whatever goal it is, each one will have an input and clarity on the end result that is meaningful and valuable, as well as a plan and testing whether that plan at each way is helping you reach your progress towards the goal, as well as remembering why you have those tests or why you have chosen or decided on that strategy or that goal in the first place, so that over time you can realign and bring yourself back to the on track. Is this correct? Yes, yes, yes. And this can even be at that very extreme and I have uh, I have been participating at least one and a half time for that. That uh, that uh, I was in project where where it has to be completely rewritten because of some changing environments or changing uh, uh, context, and they only kept the tests. And basically, from the test, they were able to rebuild the product in a new platform, and uh, and it worked well. So yes, absolutely. Thank you. 
and let's get a little bit more philosophical. <laughs> I love this. We're gonna have fun. There is um, a view on life, on like philosophy of science, etc., that in reality outcomes are random, and not random in a way that every number is chaotic, but that randomness looks like it has an order. And therefore, human beings create patterns in their minds that they think they're trying to control reality while everything is really outside of their hands because there are too many factors at play to determine the result and what happens. And therefore, how does this approach either help uh, like people get to their goals in this way or is it an illusion where <laughs> we're all trying to pretend like we have control over life? When in reality, it's only a distraction while things are happening with too many factors outside of our hands. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, hmm. I don't think, I think, so I don't think that, that we have a control of life. So I definitely, that's not something that I, I, would, I would say. Uh, however, we always, we keep, have to make decisions. And decisions are somewhat influencing influencing but where we get at the end. And the more information that is available for you to make the best decision at this moment, uh, probably the better the outcome is, at least in, in average. So, so uh, basically, if we, if we translate that back to, to behavior-driven development or even agile, uh, basically these, kind, these uh, methods help you to know better where you are currently, what your system is capable of, uh, what, uh, where are you in the progress? And then based on that, uh, probably you can make uh, better decisions at the end. So yeah, it's not controlling, it's, uh, making decisions. Thank you. And I have a question about that, but I will ask another thing since it's about knowing and testing, whether you're going in the right way and maybe it's different in software development, but in life, there is a lot of the Pareto principle, uh, that even happens where you need to put 80% effort first before where for a long, long period, you don't see any results and you don't know if you're going in the right direction or not. And then in the end, all the results get into emergence or into an, a logarithmic or a very fast. Uh, it's like they say about the bamboo that it says months and months and months building roots and under the ground and then suddenly super fast it becomes long so how can testing or bdd or your own experience and uh, thought help people when they're building something in life where the results are really delayed where things that you do to today might only be beneficial and show you results in one year or two years uh I, so, I mean, this is a metaphor and obviously like every metaphor, uh, that can be, that can be seen from many different perspectives. I think, uh, uh, if you are, let's say you are building a product, let's say that you are a startup, uh, then, uh, then just that, uh, just because you are building something new, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to wait for a long time until you can validate whether your ID was good or not. Uh, 
basically the metaphor can be seen as well in a way that, uh, that before you started your startup or before you started this new product, you have, you have been living in this, in this context and in this environment, and you have learned and practiced a lot until you finally get to the decision to make this product. So basically maybe the roots that you have built are already there. And, uh, and now this is anyway, anyway, the rapid growing, uh, part of the, of the thing. So, 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 uh, I don't think that you that you really have to wait such a long time nowadays to be able to test a business idea. So, of course, you will never be able to tell whether you will be a next uh, Facebook or Twitter, but whether you will be able to make a decent product uh, that is uh, that is uh, helping you to move forward and helping people to to achieve their goals. I think for that there are some mechanisms or techniques how you can how, how you can verify in an earlier stage. Earlier means less than a year, let's say it like that. Thank you. And about software development and um, things like that, there are so many software developers in the world and everybody, I'm not only speaking about that, but when it comes to business, to markets, everybody says, oh, so many markets are saturated. There isn't so much opportunity to break through, to create something innovative and unique. So just to understand out of curiosity, with so many uh, people who are developing software for use cases that cannot be infinite, there is a specific number of them. Is it that software developers are creating somehow clones of existing tools and apps, or is there always room for something new when you're creating software and the needs of the clients and the customers? Uh, I think most of us are creating clones of existing things, but this is not necessarily a bad thing. So, I mean, if you if you would just think back of the history, how such, uh, how, how particular uh, uh, invention came to, to, to the practice, you need to, to do that uh, often more and more times. So, until we have the the cars that we have nowadays, how many versions of uh, of of the engine has been made uh, since the beginning, uh, and they were recreating again and again with slightly little modifications. That's what we are doing also in software. Of course, sometimes you get some totally new idea, but that's very rare. Uh, most of the software developers are not in this uh, in this business, and uh, I think just like everywhere, of course, there is a chance to uh, to make something. Uh, extraordinary new but i think you can enjoy and you can be very productive and very proud of yourself even if you are not making the the next groundbreaking uh, software in the world but you are just making an existing software similar to an existing software which is slightly better than the than what you what we had so far so uh, i i think i think that's not a bad thing thank you that's a really really good answer and about vdd i would like to understand what does it mean that BDD is poll-based, as well as what, uh, how, well, how do you decide what to test and what not to test? So the pool-based nature of BDD comes from the, um, from the fact that, uh, that a common problem in software developer, development that, uh, that you receive as a developer, you receive the requirements from the product owner or from the business. And then you immediately jumping into the solution space. You jump into coding or some sort of configuration of uh, of the system, and it's very hard to get uh, 
get uh, lose the connection back what was really wanted and typical typical software developer behavior is that uh, well you are gold plating or creating some unnecessary ch- things which were not asked for but uh, but but you would think that okay yeah, might be may, this might be useful in the future or something like that uh, and that's not valuable that's just producing a lot of unnecessary code that uh, that that you have to maintain afterwards. Uh, pool-based approach means that uh, that all of the coding work is really triggered from some some requirement that is expressed from the stakeholders or from the user's point of view, like a test, so that you are starting with such a, a business-written, business-language-written test, and that tells you what kind of thing we would like to fulfill. That's the concrete need. And it just dictates for the developer, dictates for us what we need to produce to to be able to satisfy satisfy this particular test. And when this test is satisfied, we can just simply stop. This means that this thing we have uh, have finished, we don't need to work anymore. We just let's see the next requirement and let's try to fulfill that. And this way you can, there's a less chance, let's say, uh, to 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 make some gold plating or producing some unnecessary uh, code that is never going to be used. Thank you. And this makes me think about innovation and BDD as an innovative or at least evolutionary concept. To you, how do you think innovation happens? Is it something that is just a recombination of things that existed that were not combined in that way before? And therefore, it's more about copying but changing context? Or is innovation something a lot more ephemeral, something more abstract that happens like in Eureka? Oh, that's a very good question. And I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. So what I know, and this is what, uh, what how I have seen innovation, at least in behavior-driven development, that uh, that let's imagine that you have a a product owner or someone from the business and uh, telling you the requirements with the exact same words. If multiple individuals are listening to that, then we have, they are building up some, some uh, mental model about what was requested. And, uh, and soon later we got stuck because, because we realized that, uh, that there are some white spots in our knowledge. However, if you put together these people and all three together are listening to these requirements and starting to have a conversation, then suddenly uh, we are discovering uh, different aspects of the requirements, different white spots of the requirements. And, uh, and all together as a team or as this, uh, in this collaborative nature, uh, we can, we can, uh, get to build up some knowledge that otherwise as an individual wouldn't really be possible. And I think that's a kind of creative thing, but I don't know where it is really coming from. Uh, it definitely doesn't work if you are doing it alone. It, and it, uh, and it doesn't mean that, that there has to be a specific kind of person who is contributing, but everyone can bring in their own background, their own way of thinking, and, and basically from the diversity of the think- thinkings, we, we collaboratively uh, we can we can produce something that that uh, wasn't there before. Thank you. I have also a lot of questions. I will begin with this one. You have developed domain expertise, and of course, it took a long time. But what is your approach or perspective on learning? There are people who try to read as many books to spend as much time exploring, basically 
as much knowledge as possible. Do you feel that is it has its place or something very important when learning to just keep on going and exploring and exposing yourself to new ideas? Or do you believe in systematically overlearning something until you master it before moving on to the next? And therefore, it's much slower, more frustrating. There isn't much excitement in that process. Is that how you believe in this world where things are innovating and changing and new ideas are coming at such a fast pace that taking it slow and learning really, really well slowly is a, the better way or what's your perspective on learning mm, that's a very good question i i don't know really but uh, what i have seen that that there is no single way of learning so everyone who i'm encountering or i mean i'm doing a lot of training so i see a lot of people learning uh, in some ways but i have seen that everyone is learning slightly differently so i think the most important is for the individuals to try to understand what is their way of learning Maybe maybe my way of learning would be whatever reading a lot of books. Maybe someone else is better in listening to podcasts, for example, or or just uh, reading uh, blog posts or or trying them out, trying th- things out themselves. So uh, or maybe of course the combination of all these. So uh, so I think I think it's it's all personal and uh, and and everyone needs to to find the the way what is better working for 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 them and for for us who are providing content i think our responsibility is to provide the content in various different forms uh so that people people can choose uh what what is really better fitting for that that's that was one of the reason why why we did the book sweet sab uh because because we thought that okay there are certain people who who are very good learning through for example a training but there are some people who need their time uh, sitting down with a book and uh, and thinking over the things uh, with their own pace and of course there are pl- uh, probably many other ways uh, to do that so 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 that's how it is for myself who it's even very hard to tell what what how i learn uh, definitely i i i learn it in a way that i'm I'm trying to understand the things behind. So I, I typically am not able to learn something uh, without understanding it. Um, but uh, And I always try to imagine how this was made, uh, what kind of challenges would have been uh, there if I would try to recreate the same. And and uh, and that helps me to to, to focus on on those critical decisions that uh, that uh, that uh, the thing that I'm learning uh, has been made to be able to resolve that. That's my way of learning. But as I said, so it's very personal. Thank you. And to ask you about your productivity process, which might be something interesting to people or they can be curious about. Do you spend a lot of time on social media? If not, how do you control that? Uh, do you have uh, like deep knowledge or deep work periods in every day that you put when do you rest yourself so that you don't burn out or what's your perspective on burnout while growing developing and succeeding uh-huh. uh, i'm not a social media person so obviously i'm i'm on the different platforms but i don't spend much time with these tools um, simply because i just realized that i'm 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 too careful about 
making sure that I'm saying the right thing. And typically I would spend an hour for making a single tweet because I'm rephrasing it hundred times until I finally uh, press the, the tweet button. And it just, uh, it's not fun for me. And therefore I, I'm, I, I, I don't do that very often. And, uh, and for reading, I also realized that, that, uh, I can just spend a lot of time with that without too much, uh, value for me at least. So I, I'm, I, I usually, I don't spend too much time, uh, with, with the social media, but obviously, uh, uh not only the social media can, can, uh, can get you, even if you are just, uh, doing software coding or whatever else that can, that can really change your mind. So I think, uh, uh, for me, it's very important that that at some point I'm really standing up from my desk and trying to do something totally different. Uh, I mean, I have a family with three kids, so they are helping me to uh, to to uh, to switch out from that context. But uh, but I'm also doing some other things which are totally not software development, like uh, reading books or whatever, watching uh, a movie with my wife or something like that. Uh, that that can help me to. To stop basically and uh, and again i'm trying to to keep the evenings free of work as much as possible so that uh, whenever I, it's time to get to the beds i'm already stopped my mind it's not always working but uh, but i'm trying at least thank you so much gaspar this was a privilege and honor and can you speak about your books and your trainings for those who might be interested, who might be agile practitioners or people who can benefit from BDD, as well as your newsletter, a website, and all that? Yeah, I do a lot of things. Uh, so, so basically, the training is my my primary business, so to say. So that's uh, that's uh, where I'm I'm getting in contact with with, with the most of the people. Basically, the, my my training is based on the experience that I have gathered with uh, with BDD and Specflow and generally test automation in the last uh, whatever fifteen years, and uh, and uh, and I I have been attending a lot of trainings, of course, and uh, and I try to make my trainings to work in a way that even I as an attendee would like it. So. Uh, I try to make it make them interactive, and uh, and I what 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 works for me is that to realize that it's not ob- not only about sharing details, uh, sharing content, but also about sharing stories and answering questions. So, for example, in my training trainings, I really liked uh, if someone is asking questions, and I usually tell to them that that their questions are much more important that, than than anything else that I have prepared. So I really enjoy doing that, and 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 usually my my uh, my attendees are also uh, get the point and 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 like that. So that's that's somehow uh, something I, I I really like. Uh, I mentioned that that we started the book project with Sabros to be able to have some other way uh, for for uh, sharing details about uh, BDD, and uh, and and besides that, I think. Uh, uh, the the books I think that this we we achieve, we achieved the book the goals for the books that we wanted so that we wanted to make a small easy to read book and something uh, uh, that that we did but we also enjoyed very much uh, the writing process of the book because uh, it's another way of how you are consolidating your thoughts and uh, trying to collect all the details uh, from the from the community that finally made up the book so that's what I do uh, the 
the the newsletter, which is the BDD Addict newsletter, that was just coming from a simple practice. Uh, I I mentioned that I'm not very much of a social media person, so typically on conferences people were asking me that, hey, have you ha- have you seen that article or have you seen that other article? And many times I was just saying, no, no, I haven't actually. Uh, so I thought that uh, that I should make some some order, my some discipline in my uh, in my professional uh, content reading. So nowadays I'm very very careful to to check if there is an interesting article or someone suggesting me an, a good article, and I always bookmark that. And basically the the uh, the newsletter was coming out from that practice. I thought that if I'm anyway collecting these articles, why not share? Them with the others. So basically, the the newsletter is nothing else than a than a basically a suggestion of interesting articles uh, that I have seen in that that particular month. So yeah, so I think these are the the most common things where I'm sharing uh, details and trying to help people to 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 practice BDD or or get better with BDD. I think BDD is a very useful technique. I I I do this now for more than thirteen years. And uh, and I had a lot of successful projects uh, where I have seen that uh, the BDVD was really helpful. I'm not saying that this is the only practice that you could do, but uh, but definitely a useful one. So um, I especially like to to share details for those people who tried BDD but failed with that. Maybe they did that in the not not didn't do that in the right way, and uh, and trying to discuss it with them. But how did they did it? How this could have been done better or differently, and uh, and maybe next time they will have more success with that. Yeah. So these are the things that came to my mind. Thank you so much. This was really my honor, my privilege. I enjoyed this conversation, and I wish you a good day. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here.